Hi there, it's Caitlin here. Our mission is to help middle school ELA teachers take back their time outside of the classroom by providing them with engaging lessons, planning framework, and support so that they can become the best version of themselves, both inside and outside of the classroom. So if you think you might be ready to try something new because you know you simply cannot continue the way that you have been, then I'd invite you to take a moment to check out the EB Writing Program or the EB Teachers Club by visiting the links in the description of the podcast. We hope you continue to support you inside one of our programs. And in the meantime, we'll see you back here on the podcast each week. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode all about poetry. We are talking about March Madness poetry brackets. Do you guys watch March Madness in your household? Daryl, my husband definitely does. And our oldest Jameson's into it. I'm not, but like, you know how you just walk by and it's on. So then you sit down. You, you guys do like the brackets it. or anything with your family? We don't participate in it. Daryl might oh. actually, I don't know, but I, you we've gone to like actual family. games. That would be fun. Yeah. That we would do be that. Cool. Like our whole family. So my brothers, my sister-in-law, my parents, we all have a bracket and like, I don't know anything about the team. So I just totally. kind of pick like, who do I think is going to win? And uh-huh. it's just fun because then you're a little bit more invested in what's happening and watching the games and your kids, your boys will get super into it. I know Harper's a little bit too young, but right. James no, that's a good idea. Yeah. And that just made me thick think the last school I was at in San Francisco, the teachers did it. And so mm-hmm. I participated then and I had no clue what I was doing, but it was fun. And we all like <laughs> threw in a little bit of money and yes, prize. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Exactly. Um, very cool. So today we have a special episode for all of our middle school ELA teachers out there looking to add some excitement into your classroom's poetry experience. So we're going to be talking all about March Madness poetry competition. So get ready for this. So this activity is guaranteed to get your students involved, to get them engaged, to get them learning all about poetry analysis and appreciation. And I just want to say too, think about it. I don't really care about college basketball, to be honest with you. I'm a Warriors fan. Like I'm not (laughs) watching, you know, I'm not watching college basketball. Although I will say that I feel like their level of competition is just so different because they like everything's on the line, you know, whereas professional athletes, it's just a little bit different sometimes, especially in the regular season games. Anyways, total side note, but think about how with March Madness, if you fill out a bracket, you're like invested, like you are participating in that. And so I think that same thing applies to utilizing this in our classrooms to benefit um, students and their engagement. So EB Teachers Club members also be on the lookout. We have a done for you March Madness poetry activity that will be available for you inside the club on March 22nd. So mark your calendars if you are an EB Teachers Club member. Um, and if you don't want to wait until then, we'll walk you through how you can set this all up yourself. So Jessica, I'm going to hand it over to you. Sounds good. So In this version of a March Madness poetry competition, your students are going to vote in multiple rounds of Sweet 16 fun. And they're going to learn all about poetry analysis and appreciation along the way as they ultimately vote for one final championship winning poem. So as we walk you through this, I want you to keep in mind that the timeline for this activity is going to be different depending on how long your class periods are or, you know, how strong your students are at poetry or how long they like to discuss certain things. So for example, we're going to walk you through the first round in a minute, and that might take a few class periods because students are going to read and discuss 16 poems. That's a lot, right? And each round will get shorter as students narrow down the poems. But as you listen, I want you to think about how you might organize this activity to work best in your classroom. You know, is it a two week unit where this is the main focus? Like this is all you're doing for two weeks, 
or do you stretch it out for a month and use it alongside your existing curriculum? And maybe you do this a little bit of time each day after that initial introduction. So the beauty of this activity is you can adjust it, make it work for you, stretch it out, shorten it. If you don't like the idea of starting with a sweet 16 setup, that's fine. Use eight poems instead, start with an elite eight. So whatever you do, it's totally fine and it'll still work. You'll get the, awesome. the gist of this activity. I like that adaptation of yeah. just, just cutting it down. Just do half of them and start from the elite eight. Fantastic. So now that you know that you can adapt this if needed, we're going to walk you through the activity. So to set this up in your own, own classroom, you want to begin by selecting any 16 poems for your students to read, analyze, and ultimately vote on in multiple rounds as they choose their final favorite. So if that seems daunting for you, we have 16 poems that we would recommend these were chosen because of their diverse authors and topics and the use of figurative language and imagery. So I'm just going to read the title of the poems, but we'll include the title and the poet in the description of this podcast episode, uh, just for sake of time. So we have dreams. He wishes for the cloths of heaven, sympathy, caged bird, dust of snow after the winter, a loaf of poetry, an introduction to poetry. I am offering this poem what love isn't identity willow and ginkgo i ask my mother to sing unfurling people love and friendship and since hannah moved away so those are the 16 poems that are for you to use as a part of our suggestion and again we'll put them all into the note section of the podcast episode so you can just copy and paste them and find them online perfect so once you have your 16 poems, you're going to want to print out copies of all the poems for your students, and you may even want to display them in your classroom. And on the very first day of your March Madness activity, you're simply going to have your students read the poems individually. So they go through all 16 of those poems, and then you can give them a bracket. You can find them online very, very easily. And they're just going to predict which poem of those 16 do they think is going to be the champion? Which poem will most of the students vote on as like the best poem? And this initial read is just for enjoyment. It's with connecting on that poem with on a human level. And we talked about that in the last episode, right? They're not analyzing. They're simply reading it and enjoying it. Which one is their favorite? So that's day one. Then on day two and beyond, that's when students are going to start analyzing the poems. So for this first round of poetry in the voting, it might take a few class periods. So just keep that in mind. Students are going to work with a partner or a small group, and they're going to read all 16 of those poems again. And this time you're going to give them a focus as they read. So for round one, the focus is topics. So you're going to have them analyze the different topics they see in the poem. Maybe it's friendship or dreams or uncertainty. You can give them a whole list of topics. You can let them come up with them, whatever it is. This part, I will say, does take a tiny bit of prep on your part, because what you're going to want to do is of those 16 poems, you're going to want to pair up the poems before students analyze them. So let me give you an example. You're going to take that poem dreams and pair it with he wishes for the cloths of heaven. And that's because we've done the heavy work for you where we know that those poems have similar topics that students will be able to have, you know, a really good critical thinking discussion on. And I want to give you a time-saving hack. If you go back and you listened to the 16 poems that Caitlin read, they are in a very specific order. Just start pairing the first two, then the next two, then the next two, and then they're all paired for you together. So it'll save you a lot of time. We've already done that part for you. So just go back and listen to that part again. Love it. That was smart. 
That was very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then have students read both poems in each pairing and answer questions exploring the topics in the poems. So I'm going to read three questions for you right now that you can utilize. So number one is what is a topic that these two poems share? Number two, how does the author of each poem explore this topic? So think about the details they use to highlight the topic and anything that they may be saying about the particular topic. And then number three, in your opinion, which of the two poems in this matchup best explores this topic and why? And so after students read and analyze the 16 poems with a partner and you have a whole class discussion, students will then vote on their top eight poems. So just a reminder that this round is going to take you the longest in the whole activity, simply because of how many poems there are. So you may want to dedicate, like Jessica said, two to three class periods on it, depending on the length of your class periods. So once students have voted from those 16 poems, it's going to take you to round two. So now you're going to have eight remaining poems. Students are going to get back with a partner, small group. It can be the same group, or you could switch it up and they're going to reread those eight winning poems. And this time they're going to read them and analyze them through the lens of imagery. So students should discuss, you know, which of the five senses does this poem appeal to? What details support that? Why do you think the author is appealing to these sentences? What effect does this choice have on the poem and the reader's experience? You know, how do they feel reading that poem? And then in their opinion, which of the two poems in the matchup best uses imagery to engage the audience and enhance their poem and why? And for this round, you're just matching up the poems. It's okay if you just pick any two poems. It's, you don't have to go in this particular order. So just of the eight, put them into groups of two and then have students go with it. I love it. So, Sorry, yeah, I it's totally fun, interrupted right? you, but I love no, it. No, it's yeah. okay. Sorry, I paused. But- after students reread and analyze those eight poems, again, you have a whole class discussion because you want to hear what everyone has to say about the imagery there. And then you have students vote on their top four poems of those. I just really like the way in which it, it, it layers. Mm-hmm. All you know these I mean? close readings, right? Yes. Like yeah. I really, and like the different lenses that they're looking at it. I just think it's a fabulous way in which to approach a March Madness poetry bracket. Very, very cool. So this leads you now into round three. So in this round, students will be considering the figurative language of the four poems that have moved on in the tournament. So again, students will be rereading those four poems and looking for examples of figurative language that the author uses. They will discuss what effects these examples then have on the poem and the reader's experience. So you want to ask them maybe those questions, you know, what are some examples? List them out for us. And then just how does, you know, give us some examples of these effects that it has on the poem and the reader's experience. So you're asking them those questions. So then finally, students will discuss which two poems in this round best uses figurative language to engage the audience and enhance the poem and why. And that will take you to the final round, which is the championship round, where one poem will be crowned the winner. Yes. So this is the fun round, right? It's the championship. So students are going to reread again those final two poems. And this time they're going to consider connections that they can make with them. Because when you think about it, the poems that usually have the greatest impact on us as readers are the ones that we can connect with. So we want to encourage students, you know, you don't have to connect to the poem personally, although that's wonderful, but you can also make connections to the poem from a different poem or a text or a movie. 
or different events going on in the world, right? We, as teachers, we know text to self, text to text, text to world connections. That's what students are focusing on here. So again, they can work in pairs, they can work in small groups, and you're going to want to have them answer the following questions. What connections were you able to make with each poem? Were any of these connections particularly powerful? And then I love this one. Do you think a wide audience would be able to make connections with this text or only a particular type of person? And it's that whole idea. Again, we talked about this on the last episode of mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors. How can different people connect to this poem? So students discuss it in their groups. You have a whole class discussion on it. They vote one final time and they select the championship poem. That is such a great question. Isn't Very it good? thought provoking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, really like that a lot. Um, I want to give you some bonus ideas to make this activity even more engaging. Who doesn't love bonus ideas? Um, okay. So on the first day of the activity, when students are simply reading the 16 poems for enjoyment, you might want to have some fun audio playing in the background, right? Just to enhance it a little bit, to create one of those moments through a different sen- one of the different senses. In this case, it would be your auditory, right? Um, so you could search on YouTube for like basketball sounds to play and students will walk into your classroom hearing balls dribbling, crowds cheering. That's going to pique their interest about the unit. They're going to be like, Mrs. Mitchell, what is going on? Why are you playing this, right? Or you may even play one of the things that I love at the end of March Madness. And I don't know since you don't really watch it, but it's, um, oh gosh, what's it called? I know the song. It's at the very end of, of March Madness happens. They basically highlight all of the moments from the March Madness tournament. And it's called One Shining Moment. That's what it's called. And so if you type that into YouTube, if you type in one shining moment, you know, final four or whatever, I don't March Madness, it doesn't matter. It'll come up and every single year they have like a whole new compilation of like all the greatest plays, all the greatest moments. It like moves you to tears as you're watching it. Just like how much these players like lay their heart on the lines throughout this whole experience. It's really, really cool. I love that. Could you even show it in class to not just listen, but I feel yeah. like that's yeah, yeah, fun you can show for it. students to watch. I would watch. have that hundred percent. I would put that on my, my board on the YouTube yeah. channel. And just play that for my students as they walk in. Cause the music is great. Like it's just, it really is like one of those. And I'm sure if the kids are, have any idea about March madness, you know, any of your kids who watch it are going to be like, what is happening? You know, <laughs> very, very cool. Um, so I love that. So you may even want to wear some sports themed clothing. You could have a whistle ready. You could play the role of referee. Like you could take it as be as crazy as and fun as you want with it. I'm sure some of our EB teachers club members are a hundred (laughs) percent going to do that. And if you do share in the Facebook group, when you do that, because we of course want to see, um, then at the end of the unit, you could really consider celebrating that final round of the tournament. You could display some March madness decor in your classroom. You could also serve popcorn and pretzels to the class. You know, if that's something that you're allowed to have in your classroom. And then if you have time, maybe you even have like a little basketball competition, like make it fun. Who cares if we use a little bit of our time to bring in like a magical moment for our students. You could have like, you know, we always yell at our students for throwing up their crumpled up paper into their garbage bins. Like now let them do it in your classroom. Right. <laughs> um, and you could add a little bit of rigor to that activity if you wanted to, by having students write their favorite line of a poem on the scrap paper, along with why it's their favorite, and then read it to the poem before before they crumple it up and throw it into the trash can. Um, you can make a fun little competition of that too. So just some little extra ideas to add some sparkle to it. Oh, I like that sparkle. And I think students would love that. It just, for sure. like you said, it brings the magic. So after you have that final round of voting or you play that little basketball game, you can have students reflect on this activity. 
And you know, there's going to be students who are happy with which poem won and students who are like, no way, it should have been the other poem. So have them write about it and ask them, you know, how did this March Madness activity affect the way you read poetry? Will it change the way you read poems in the future or not? And during the rounds of poetry, you can tell them, you know, you consider topics and imagery and figurative language and connections, but is there anything else a reader should consider when reading a poem? You know, those were just four things. What else should they think about? And then finally, do you agree with the, the final winner? If so, why? And if not, which of the poems should have won? Because they might have really strong feelings about that. And then once students, you know, write down their reflections, you can have one final class discussion just to wrap up the unit. And I think it's a really nice way to just tie everything together. So incorporating a March Madness poetry activity into your lesson plans is going to be incredibly engaging. It's still going to be standards aligned clearly based on the questions, based on the focus of all of the stuff that we just walked through. And if your students really aren't thrilled about reading and discussing poetry, this activity may just change their mind, especially if you start with that one shining moment, YouTube video playing in your classroom before they walk in, they're going to be like bought in from the beginning. What does this have to do with poetry? Um, so hopefully that serves you. And again, if you're an EB teachers club member, this is something that's coming out March 22nd, I believe. Is that correct? That's Perfect. correct. Um, okay. So next week on the podcast, we're talking more about poetry, but we're going to talk about how to hook your students with an interactive poetry analysis activity. So definitely make sure that you join us next week on the podcast. And if you do, use this March Madness activity in your classroom, let us know over on Instagram. You can find us at EV Academics. Um, send us a direct message. Tag us with your pictures in your classroom. We would love to see your students in action utilizing these ideas. All right, you guys have a wonderful rest of your week, and we will see you next week on the podcast. Bye, everybody.